Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Great teams and welcome on board the WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Across from me is Joe McGranahan, our good co-host, our fabulous producer, Rob Center, is on the other side of the glass. In a moment, we'll have full introductions and sponsor mentions and all kinds of good information to pass along. But we're going to launch right into our first guest of the day. Uh, Eric Martin is on the line. He's Associate Professor of Management in the Management and Organizations Department. Department at Bucknell University. That's the Kenneth Freeman College of Management at Bucknell. And he has made part of his uh, career, uh, or he spent part of his career working and studying how organizations, governments, and entities respond to crises, how well they do, what they could have done better, and uh, maybe what were the teachable moments to come out of previous crises. And he's keeping a very, very close watch on the COVID-19 response in the U.S. government. Dr. Martin, thank you so much for calling in today. Good morning to both of you. Thanks for having me on. Well, I do appreciate you. Glad to have you. Your assessment. So how, let's sort of take a timeline. We'll take it from January 1st, let's say. How was the U.S. government, federal government, doing responding then up to now, and how are we doing now? Well, I'd say the jury is still out, of course. Um, You know, in hindsight, we'd like to say we could have acted uh, more quickly and more swiftly. Um, but it's hard to make such changes on such a large scale. So I think the hesitation is understandable early on. Um, you know, the problem I see more of is now that uh, there's general agreement on this crisis, that it is indeed a crisis. Um, the consistent messaging is really the biggest issue because we're allowing states uh, to go ahead, and in fact we're empowering them to go ahead and make their own decisions, and yet we can have... Um, contrary, <laughs> contradictory messages at both local and national levels, and I think that's a real issue. Well, how do you balance that, Dr. Martin? Because each state has a different imperative, I would think. New York obviously has a far greater problem than Wyoming. Um, so how, how, do they, how do we balance this? Does, does the federal government need to take it over, or should the states have some say in what they're doing to protect their citizens? Yeah, right. It's an excellent question. Um, Given what we've seen in other countries, I think this is now verging on a national response. Um, You know, I I totally understand the need for individualized uh, approaches at various places, Um, but we're not very far right now from New York, and Ohio's not very far from us. And as we see this contagion spread, perhaps some national, at least messaging. Now, maybe it doesn't need to be a national policy, but when we have the national messaging and even local messaging that's actually undermining individual states who are trying to make those those decisions, uh, that really is an issue. 
Well, we have leaders locally that are pushing back against the governor's order, a lot of House Republicans right. and Congressman Keller. What does the message that that says when the governor you know, mandates an order and people, for the most part, comply, but then your local lawmakers say he did not have the authority to do that, and if you have a local business and you wish to keep it open, you should do so? Right. Well, I certainly understand the passion and the pain that comes with those decisions. Um, the concern really is that um, I think what people are doing is, you, you know, in commercials when you see a, a drug advertised and they say, here are all the side effects, and they list this long list of side effects, I think what we're starting to see is the local decision makers are seeing that list of side effects, right? And those side effects now are becoming their emergency, and that's a problem. We can't argue a health containment strategy based on economic pains. We'd like to, but health containment strategies should be argued based on health containment uh, approaches. Uh, and we'll address the economic problem, you know, perhaps simultaneously. That's what we've heard from the president, uh, that you could do more than one thing at a time. That's possible, I think. Um, but that is only possible if we have the right equipment, the ability to test, and the hospital capacity. And that's what we're seeing is the question now. So in some ways, this containment strategy, yes, it's harmful economically, and people are waking up to those local issues. Um, but we really can't pursue this idea of freeing things up and allowing the social distancing to be, uh, to be limited um, until we have all those other capacities lined up. Well, the president has said that he doesn't want to see the cure become worse than the disease. Right. How, how do you balance that from a leadership yeah. standpoint? Well, I think he needs to lend support to, uh, just as your opening line, when you mentioned, you know, different states are, are seeing this differently. I think he needs to uh, really give some power and support to the states that are making bold decisions. Uh, some might have uh, a bigger problem. Some might just have a lower risk tolerance, but we need to support those states. Um, right now, it seems like those states, if you just listen to the words of the president and some local politicians and then listen to governors, it might sound like they're making rogue decisions. Uh, they're not. They're basing it on an awful lot of issues that they've already weighed the benefits of uh, economic uh, pain for health <laughs> recovery. And they've made this decision uh, very overtly, knowing those costs uh, full well. Let me ask you this, doctor, and, and this is one that really intrigues me. They're talking a lot about, oh, we've been caught short. We don't have all the supplies we need. How much should we put aside in this country for emergencies? In other words, when you build a storm system, a storm source system, you build it maybe right. for a 100-year flood, not a 1,000-year flood. So what makes right. sense from a leadership standpoint and from an organizational standpoint? What should we be stockpiling and why? Um, that's probably going to be the great lesson that comes out of this. I, I don't know the direct answer to your question. Um, I, I'm as surprised as to think as, as most people that we're already reaching those stockpile limits, right? I still thought, oh, boy, we're good for a little while. Uh, New York City originally, they thought as well. They thought we were probably good until April. Uh, de Blasio is now coming out saying, you know, these 11 hospitals, they're about to uh, – they might have a one week left. And we haven't seen – the real peak yet in cases, and that's the great concern here. That this is, um, you know, it's it's in additional to, in addition to all the other problems we have, um, but we're expecting the worst to come. I mean, the thought of you know having been to the Javits Center, knowing the size of that, the thought that the Javits Center is going to become a new hospital, and there's a floating hospital off in New York City. 
we've never seen this kind of reaction to anything, and in, in certainly in my lifetime. Well, um, the the yeah. president has said that, you know, he, he's blaming China uh, for not taking proactive measures right at the start to let the world know that they had this issue and that it was likely to get out of control. The Chinese are claiming that American soldiers brought it to them last year, which sounds ridiculous to me. You know, should China, I mean, how, how would you rate the world leadership in this? Look at Italy, look at China. How, how are they doing? You know, I think different countries are responding uh, when it uh, it hits their radar uh, uh, well enough. Um, you know, China, yeah, did they delay a little bit? Perhaps. Uh, they certainly did. Did they then take phenomenal efforts uh, to shut things down immediately uh, in a way that we would probably not appreciate here in the United States? They absolutely did. Other countries, we look at South Korea, they're probably the model here that they responded very quickly with quarantine and isolation and then massive testing. Once you're able to do that, you can start to find out where those pockets are, keep isolation in those areas, and allow some of the other areas where we haven't seen a lot of the uh, virus emerge, um, you know, to get back to work and get back to normal things. Um, That's what we'd like to do here, um, but it's a little too late now for that strategy. So now it probably is best to let's isolate for a couple weeks and then see where we are. Well, how are we doing in terms of our government coordination, federal government and uh, state governments? Uh, We're we're a couple of weeks into this now. Are we getting more coordination? Are they getting on the same page? Yeah, I'm probably watching all the same news as you. uh, given the reaction from local players, uh, I'd say there's not that coordination yet. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing uh, great criticism from places that are being hit hard, uh, and we have to understand the politics, right? We have Democratic leadership in, in New York City, uh, and they're complaining, of course, about the government's response. Um, but there are some facts and numbers here. There's a massive surge, there's a massive health problem, and we don't have those supplies. How do you equate the uh, the cost of all this with the benefit? In other words, flu takes more people, I think, statistically, number-wise, not percentage-wise, than this is likely to take. You know, how much do we spend on this? And, for example, now one of the things under consideration in the House and Senate bailout bill in Washington is $35 million for the Kennedy Center. So it looks like politicians, instead of trying to lead our way out of here, are more intent on trying to address their own political agendas. Well, we certainly have that on both sides right now, um, that people are trying to pad this, uh, this recovery effort. And so that's hopefully, you know, what the, what the compromise will come out fairly soon today, we'll, that we'll try to get rid of some of those things. I, I certainly understand that. Um, but, yeah, it's going to cost a lot of money. And I think the quicker that money gets injected, and there's that consistent messaging. I mean, if you know you're going to be out of work for a few weeks, and yet you know there's a check coming right away that's going to cover rent and some of those essentials, perhaps there'd be a little less pressure there. It's going to be painful. There's no question about that. What do you think the public impression is of the partisan fighting in Washington right now? Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I think for a little bit, like most crises and most national emergencies, people tend to come together. Um, this padding, you know, and adding different uh, pet projects, uh, that certainly is a, is a blip in this, uh, and hopefully that will be overcome quickly. Um, but I, I see it, yes, it's, it's partisan, uh, but it's also across levels of government. Um, but, yeah, it is 
it's an issue that I think everyone would probably appreciate. Uh, people were able to put aside for now in times of national crisis. And I think that's one of the problems with this being a very slow crisis to roll out over time. Um, we did not see a lot of partisanship right around 9-11, right? Everybody gets aligned very quickly. It's a national emergency. Here, the fact that, as you've commented, New York City's getting hit by Wyoming's not, um, you know, allows this to, to, to be open for politics a little bit more readily. Uh, you maybe have answered my next question. If this weren't a political election year for the president, do you think the government's response would be different? Um, I'm not so sure about that. You know, um, uh, quite quite frankly, uh, the leadership has been ignoring a lot of the specialists from the get-go, uh, and I don't think that's been a partisan play. I think that's been uh, weighing economic benefits over health benefits, and now we're seeing them both collide. They're intertwined intimately here, um, and I think it's pretty well understood that economic improvements are not going to solve the health problem, yet health improvements will definitely solve the economic problem. So we might want to think about causality of these two things. I know we want to hit them simultaneously, but we need to solve the health issue first. What is the impact of the slow response by the federal government getting on board? It took them two months to realize that this virus that was overspreading other countries and now spreading here was something to actually worry about. What's the price of that? What are, what's happening now or later because right. of the long I, delay? Yeah. yeah, I think the price of that is we are going to see a bigger effect in places like here where we live. Um, it, it's no surprise to me that San Francisco and New York City are getting hit hard. Uh, but the fact that things delayed for so long, I mean, who among us hasn't seen someone from New York City fairly recently? Um, and so that's the concern, that this allowed things to spread a little bit more quickly, um, and it allows uh, states and localities to respond at different paces and at different risk tolerances. And that's where, we're, that's where we are right now. Okay. All right. Anything else important to ask? Maybe uh, my foolish questions didn't tap that great expertise that you have. Uh, anything else to add that you think is important for this conversation? I, I think the final thing, which is a very negative thing to think about, but um, at this time of uh, division uh, and partisanship and when we're in a weakened state, uh, we may have to start thinking about what's going to happen down the road. What about the next crisis? We've seen, a, you know, a Utah had an earthquake. What if something else like that happens at this stage? That's what we really need to be prepared for as well. All right. Well, that is an excellent point. I know emergency management, if you've ever monitored them, and I know you have, emergency management scenarios do just that. They say, okay, what if you have a blizzard, then you have a road closure, then you have a truck or a nuke plant to have a dilemma, and then the Red Cross runs short on blood. Often one of the most famous books about crisis is called Normal Accidents by Charles Perrault. Uh, And what it talks about, in fact, it based things on Three Mile Island. Uh, I talked about there's often a series of very normal mistakes, normal problems. So we have a disease, we have overcrowded hospitals, and then what happens, right? Uh, And that's what we need to be prepared for. (laughs) Then it gets real all of a sudden. All right. Then it gets real. Yes, sir. You've scared us now thoroughly, Dr. Martin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry for that. Well, thank you so much for checking in. We do appreciate that. We'll undoubtedly talk to you again. And as you come up with good observations about our collective and individual responses, uh, check in from time to time. We'd love to hear from you again. 
Yes, sir. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Eric C. Take Martin, care. Associate Professor of Management in the Management and Organizations Department at the Kenneth Freeman College of Management at Bucknell University. That's a mouthful. He needs two business cards for that. We thank, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, Mike Ferlazzo has been hooking us up with some fabulous interviews, so we really appreciate his help. He gets uh, uh, assistant producer credits today. Our producer is Rob Center. Our vice president in the building is Kevin Herr. Mr. Uh, Matt Catrillo is our news director. My good co-host is... Um, What's his name? Yeah, what's his name? <laughs> and I'm Mark Lawrence. We're going to take a quickie break. Joe McGranahan, that's right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll open up the phones. You can call us now, 1-800-795-9565. 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com. Do as no one has done for about uh, 72 hours. That's text us at 70236. And on the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. Call us now if you wish to. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. As soon as we got off the air, uh, Joe says, wow, that Dr. Martin, he did a great job of being nonpartisan and uh, keeping whatever viewpoints he might have on this. He's probably one of those other conservative professors up at Bucknell. There's a half a dozen of them. Well, he could be a liberal. We don't, we really don't know. Yeah, we he don't know. Fair. I thought he was very, very fair. We got a text. What's that individual say? Uh, he says, good guest, Keep, uh, kept him, <laughs> liberal leanings, in ch- kept his liberal leanings in check. Thanks, Dr. Martin. Oh, okay. They must know that he's liberal. Okay. I couldn't tell, and I don't know him. And uh, Dr. Russo says there's a pocket of uh, a dozen professors at Bucknell and Susquehanna are conservative. But he was liberal. Okay. So our good texter well, knows that. it doesn't that. matter. He was fair. Right. So. You know, and that's what we're not seeing enough of these days, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I look at Chuck Schumer and these guys in Washington, and the Republicans too, Mitch McConnell, you know, and they're loading this bill down with insane stuff, $35 million for the Kennedy Center, windmill technology. It has nothing to do with the people who need help and has nothing to do with the businesses that need help. On the Democratic side, they're saying, oh, the Republicans are loading this up with boondoggles for big business, and the mm-hmm. Republicans are saying, listen, we need, to, we need to have people have a job when they come back, or what have we done? If we take all the money and just give it to people and the businesses go out, what do they do when the, uh, when the jobs, are, you know, when this is over and they need a place to go back to work? Well, and the junk that's been put in the bill from both sides yeah. is to bolster one segment of the economy, whether it's the arts or a particular 
particular business or the you know non-fossil fuel right. industry. Everybody can like if I say Joe, I'm going to put in there. I want there to be more funding for everybody to have a chicken in their backyard or a chicken coop in their backyard. <laughs> it's totally ridiculous to put in there, but I can say. Well, I would like families to be more self-sufficient and to have their own egg, you know, so. Well, that's why I asked Dr. Martin if he thought it would be different during, if this were not a political election year, a presidential election year, because I think both sides are more intent on, you know, trying to find some political ground. Uh, Joe Biden trying to make himself relevant is almost pathetic, uh, coming out, blasting the president for what he's doing in the face of a survey that showed yesterday that 50 percent of the American people think the president is doing a good job in handling this emergency. Well, and I think Joe Biden really had the right idea initially was to stand down, monitor this, you know, do your meetings, your private fundraisers, individual rallies um, electronically, and, um, and and that kind of thing. But to come out and to criticize the president, not that there's anything, you know, this is a free country, people are able to do so, sure. and he, he certainly differs on the president, but to tell the public that there are substantial life costing mistakes being made by the administration, and then to not say what they are, well, that's, I mean, if you, if the president has done something critically wrong, you know, like, let's, I, I can empirically show, and the professor agreed, that the more you delay your response, the more costly it is in terms of the number of people who get sick, and potentially that the number that dies, that can be shown and empirically proven. But if you say, well, the president has cost millions of lives, that's not true. What the heck does that <laughs> That doesn't mean anything. No. And, and really, the help that needs to be dished out right now, I agree, is primarily to working people who have, you know, lost their jobs through no fault of their own. Their home, they need to be sustained during this difficult period if we're going to say that the country is closed down. You know, the question is, if, you know, granted, we're kind of exempt here because broadcasting is considered a public necessity. But if you could make the choice to stay home, would you be worried about en- enough about this and your coworkers to actually do that, or would you continue to come in? You mean I've had to volunteer? No, I mean if if it were your choice, if you if someone if the company said you mark, if you don't feel comfortable coming in here, oh, yeah. you can stay home. But if you feel comfortable, come in. What would your choice be, you personally, as far as how you feel about what's going on? Well, I'd come in. I, you know, I'd, I'd I'd volunteer to do something. We see a lot of people who are stepping up and volunteer, using their free time to help others, running errands to neighbors, or you know, d- delivering groceries to the front porch. Right. Well, what, of, do, what do we have in this room? What do we have in this room? We have Clorox wipes, we have <laughs> Over there. Kleenex, we have hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Right outside the door is a restroom that's lavishly stocked with antibacterial soap <laughs> and paper towels. You know, so at some point, would you be willing to take a chance that you and your fellow co-workers would be responsible enough to do the things necessary to keep you safe, reasonably safe, but still let you function? And I think that's where the president's coming from. They're all saying, oh, he wants to open it up. He's pe- going to let people die. I think he may be talking about opening it up, but I would want to see what restrictions are put in place. Here's an example. You know I get up every morning and early and go to the gym. I mean, I'm feeling withdrawal now that my gym is closed. I can't do that. On one hand, they tell you that a, a healthy immune system is essential to your survival if you get the coronavirus. Under circumstances. And then on the other hand, they're telling you, shut down the gyms, shut down the parks, the places where I can go to get exercise, and stay at home. So doesn't that contribute to weakening my immune system? 
What, the fact that you're not being tested by the, getting... No, the fact that I'm not being able to exercise and do what I can to get healthy. I, a friend of mine said... Well, you are uh, permitted to exercise without a gymnasium. I know, but the gym offers equipment that makes it easier for me to do the things I want to do and accomplish the things I want to accomplish. So you're saying life is harder during a crisis. Well, yeah, no argument there, Mark. It certainly is. But I'm just saying, what's the balance? In other words, what's the trade-off? How many people will die if they open up a gym? How many people will get healthier because they opened up the gym? Well, this is the kind of question that we're not asking. Well, I, I think people have asked it. I, I don't think you've caught the answer. I, I don't think we're really worried about, uh, you know, if you hear uh, Dr. Uh, Fauci talk, he never says we're going to try to prevent more people from dying in general. We are, our overall goal, our overall, our overriding goal is to keep us from packing the hospitals right. full of critically ill people. That's the one, the single, the only, the most important, and the overriding goal is to keep us from overriding the hospitals. If we override the hospitals, then uh, we'll be faced with the prospect okay. that nobody wants of transferring sick people to areas where there isn't as much sickness, or it's possible, it wouldn't happen here, but it's possible people will die because of lack of care. So that's why your gym is closed, because we don't want to pack the hospitals okay. with the number of people that would get it if the gym was packed elbow to elbow as it is sometimes. Well, here, did you hear Gordon Deal this morning? <clears throat> no. No, I know you don't have time just, to hear Just, in my, head, just in my headphones, but okay. I couldn't listen. Well, he, he brought up, uh, I think, in one of their stories this morning that there were several elderly people found dead in a nursing home in Spain because the staff abandoned them and left them there to die on okay. their own. Another story about a husband and wife who died somewhere in the United States because they took some kind of a chemical that was used to clean fish tanks, but contained some of the ingredients in this quinine-fighting drug the president thinks might be beneficial. Okay. So there are two instances, one where people are were so afraid that they left old people to die in one country, and another where a couple of people are so panicked about this, they took some bizarre fish tank cleaner, and they off chance that it might help them, and it killed them. So, I mean, somewhere down here, people are going to make bad decisions. That's my point. And other people are going to make good ones. But I think we should encourage the right decisions without making it impossible for the world to function. Uh, what would that be? So you want the gym open? I'd like to see it open again with restrictions. You know, that the, maybe they the cut time. half the equipment out, you know, or they you know, split it up a little bit. To be continued, oh, Jill Schlesinger checking in at uh, 9.06 this morning, CBS's news uh, famous business analyst. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome back to WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. We very much appreciated the help of Dr. Eric Martin of Bucknell University talking about the slow U.S. response and uh, what is the cost of a slow response and analyzing uh, how uh, governments, uh, federal and state governments, are working more together now. So Naturally, he did that without assessing blame. <laughs> right. He never once said President Trump did not. Or he da, didn't da, 
say guy. President Trump did or the Democrats. I thought he was very fair in his assessment. Right. So, so we appreciate that. We've got another objective viewer on the line now. Joe Schlesinger is here, CBS News business analyst, Brown University educated, and has been with CBS analyzing the up and down of Wall Street for a while. Jill, thank you so much for calling one of your good affiliates, WKOK AM Radio. Thanks for checking in today. Well, thanks for having me. I do appreciate that. Current state of Wall Street, we saw uh, Dow Industrials uh, over, or the uh, Dow Futures were recovering a little bit overnight, and Asian Futures were up. So tell us about what's happening on Wall Street, and and what should sort of a layperson uh, have as a takeaway? And should we panic now or later? (laughs) Uh, I I would would love to try to help you not to panic. So um, I think that you really the best way to understand this is to really think about it just in the same way as we think about the virus that there is so much unknown and that leads to uncertainty and as a result with with this virus in our health we sort of now take all that anxiety and we think about this with our money um, and and you know really like the virus uh, the cough is the symptom, but there's an underlying virus. And right now, the stock market is the symptom, the stock market dropping, lopping off a third of its value since this all started, um, now being in a bear market. That's the symptom. The underlying issue is that the economy has just come to a screeching halt because of this virus. And it is important to note that Every single person that I speak to about the economy and about markets and all that, they they are always quick to say, look, the most important thing we can do to help ourselves is to contain this virus and mitigate the, the impact. That said, by doing the things that we need to do, it's not good for the economy. So it's kind of like the quicker we get this all under control, the better it will be for the economy and the markets. But to get it under control, we have to have some pain in the economy and the markets. But, Jill, a lot of these decisions about Wall Street trades are being made by computers, not human beings. Do you think if we took computers out of the equation and let human beings make the decisions, this might even out somewhat? Not at all. Uh, you know, I've been a trader. I was My first job on Wall Street, I was a trader, and my second month of trading was in 1987. Now I'm telling you how old I am. <laughs> um, and that was the exact same thing that we had heard back in 1987. Oh, it's program trading. It's program trading. It's baloney. I mean, the the markets are open, and uh, the, the, the certainly maybe the gyrations, maybe the intraday might be slightly exaggerated. But, you know, the long story short is that when people are really concerned about what's going going on in the economy and they can't figure out a way to price a company's earnings going forward, they sell. And um, that's there's absolutely no reason to shut an exchange down. There's no reason, and, and frankly, we're not going back to anything but electronic trading and algorithmic trading. It's all happening as we speak. This might be an accelerant on the up or the down a bit, but there's no way to stop this. This is what capitalism is. You give people a chance to take risk, and when they don't want risk, they get out. What is, uh, how fast can the U.S. economy snap back? I don't know. I mean, the, the hard part here is, it, this really is contingent on how long the, ISIL, the, the, um, the residing at home orders stay in place and how long it takes to mitigate the impact of the virus. Um, I'll tell you that I'm sitting here looking at a, you know, stacks of reports from economists around the country. 
some believe that we, you know, we basically started a recession, you know, the very beginning of March. It will likely last at least through the first quarter, probably into the third quarter. So that means that this will, you know, sort of be a first half of the year problem at best. That's the best case scenario is that this is a recession that lasts in the first half of the year and then in the summertime things start to come back. And the worst case is that it lasts all year long because we're not doing a good enough job mitigating the response to the virus itself and it just keeps spreading. Well, Jill, the president is under some amount of criticism for having the power but not not actually using it under the War Powers Act to direct industries to make certain essential goods. How big of a disruption, if he does choose to use that, how big of a disruption will that cause with these industries and then getting back to what they actually should be doing after we have the pandemic under control? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I keep telling you I don't know because why, because frankly, we've never been here before. And this is something that I haven't seen. I I interviewed a Nobel Prize winning economist last week. And I said, you know, how does this compare to what you've seen in your lifetime? And he's like 80 years old. And he goes, this is nothing like I've seen in my lifetime. This is, you know, sort of tantamount to this uncharted territory. What pretty much every economist does believe is that we are in this place where you it's almost like if you like what dr fauci says you know if you feel like you're doing too much and being a little nutty about your health you're probably about right pretty much all the economists that i speak to say it's it's time for the kitchen sink approach that we should be doing everything possible because really the problem that we're encountering in the economy is that until we get the virus itself under control that it's just going to keep popping back up and so the you know, I think that any sort of orders to kind of lock down the country, which may or may not have been like past the possibility at this point, but those are the kinds of things that even economists are saying, like, we just have to do something. We have to get money into people's hands. We have to get money into small and medium-sized companies as quickly as possible. And we have to provide support to those industries that are most directly impacted. You know, that said, you know, it's all great to say work from home, but so many service people are impacted by this. And those are the folks who don't have money that is set aside for a rainy day. Those are the lower wage employees. And we must get money into those people's hands so that they do not suffer unduly. No argument there. But let's take a look at what the bill is that's being considered by the Senate and the House in Washington that includes things like $35 million for the Kennedy Center, money for windmills. Is this the kind of thing that should be addressed in this bill, or should we focus entirely on the economic impact and how to correct I I mean, I don't really care. (laughs) I'm sort of agnostic. I want them to, like, throw everything in the kitchen sink. I don't care right now. I need money in hands of people. And if it takes, you know, throwing a few bucks away on things that are not directly impacted, I couldn't care less. Um, there, I'm getting hundreds of emails every day from people impacted by this. I've started, you know, I have a podcast, and uh, it's called Jill on Money, and we started daily podcasting because people are freaking out. And so, honestly, I don't care. I want them to just pass a big, huge bill. It probably won't be enough, and uh, the quibbling has to stop. It really does. It just has to get past anything. And um, if that means that you've got to sort of, you know, the old – 
uh, you know, pork barrel politics where you ha- everyone gets a little piece, I couldn't care less because that's going to be peanuts compared to what we really need to help the economy. So when do we address the impact it has on our deficit? Uh, well, you know, I, I will tell you this. You don't worry about debt and deficit, and you notice that no one's talking about that. You don't, man- you don't start talking about that in a crisis. Probably the time to think about the debt and the deficit was when we wrote a trillion-dollar check to corporate America where times were, were good. So um, uh, when I think about it in terms of economic theory, you say this is the old Walter Badgett theory of, like, let's move on. Let's throw money at Like, you are in DEFCOM 4 for this economy. We have um, analysts from Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley saying there's going to be the worst quarterly decline in, in the country's output since the Great Depression. And so you do not worry about debt and deficit right now. You can worry about it on the other end. You're going to have to raise taxes. Maybe that's so. But right now, we have an emergency. The money must get out there. What are the lessons learned, Jill? Complete this sentence. Well, I'll tell you what. One thing we found out during the COVID crisis was dot, dot, dot. You know, our defense, you know, our... Uh, Yeah, uh, Uh, I got you. One thing we found out about the COVID virus was we have a wildly unequal economic system that does not take care of our most vulnerable. And what is the evidence of that? Well, we don't have an unemployment program that can help people. We have gig workers who are working without a safety net. We have um, no paid sick leave. I I could go on and on. It is um, unfathomable that we are the richest nation in the world, and we don't have core support system for about 40% of our population. Other lessons learned, one that one that our unemployment compensation system and maybe our medical system doesn't uh, take better care of individuals who are at the lowest levels of our sort of our economic uh, levels. Or, as you mentioned, the gig economy. We, yeah, we have hundreds of people around here who are self-employed who are out of business right now, you know, whether it's yep. just a shop in their house or, you know, selling eggs out by the road or whatever it happens to be. Uh, all of that is curtailed for the moment. Other lessons learned? Big, big, fat financial lessons that we've learned here? Um, we are profligate in managing the finances of this country when times are good. We're really, we actually get, we'll get this stuff done, okay? We will absolutely get this done. However, uh, we are insane to be writing big, huge checks in in the form of tax breaks for the wealthiest individuals and corporate America, who have now shown, corporate America especially, that they did not use any of that money to spur economic growth. They used that money to award dividends to their shareholders and to uh, buy back their own stock. Uh, Airline industry is front and center in this. They're not to blame for what has happened to them, but they have very poorly managed their business. All right. Other critical topics or remarks or information you'd like to pass along before we let you go? We certainly will pay attention to your podcast. And, uh, of course, we hear you often on uh, CBS Hourly News and on the Weekend Roundup. Uh, other, uh, Other remarks you'd like to make before we let you go? Well, I just want everyone to be really nice to each other and don't turn this into, it doesn't really matter. I want everyone to stop worrying about, I mean, I know that this sounds crazy, but we're about to write a $2 trillion check as a nation. 
stop quibbling over like who who unfairly gets this, that, or the other thing. One of the things I learned living through the financial crisis is that uh, we did a very good job of helping keep the financial system on its feet. We did a terrible job of helping homeowners who were impacted. Let's not make that mistake again. Let's help our people out. Let's help our small and medium-sized businesses out. Let's cut some good deals with companies. Let's get some upside. But let us not spend days and days and days while people are suffering. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and your information. We'll check in again. And And the podcast is Jill on Money, right? (laughs) You got it. All right. Easy enough. Thank you so much, Jill Schlesinger. Very much appreciated. Take care. Uh, Jill Schlesinger, CBS News uh, business analyst, and uh, uh, you can uh, get uh, that podcast. It's on Google Play. I've already listened to one of them. Just a fabulous listen. Nonpartisan, great information, particularly if you have a 401k, she tells you. I detected a little partisanship there at the end. Yeah, because of the giveaway (laughs) uh, for corporations, sure. Well, the podcast seems pretty much down the middle. That's Lawrence's worthless view. But I don't often, I don't have a Hey, this program's about viewpoints and opinions. All are welcome. <laughs> I don't I don't have these same uh, red flags waving all the time that you do. All right, what we are going to do is take a quickie break. When we come back, we will have uh, news headlines, and then we'll open up the phone. So give us a buzz. we got empty phone lines, so please call us immediately. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. 1-800-795-9565. Uh, we are almost to the point where a week behind in email because of all of our good calls, but give us a buzz, 1-800-795-9565. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Doing them first? Okay. We're doing the headlines first. We're on the radio, you know. I I know we are. (laughs) We got four calls. We got four calls. We got emails backed up, and you're going to do the headlines. Oh, I'm sorry. Now here's the news. We have to keep people informed. Governor Tom Wolf ordering res. This is uh, news that he issued late yesterday. Governor Tom Wolf ordering residents in Pennsylvania's hardest hit areas to stay home to combat the spread of the new coronavirus that is sickened hundreds and caused six deaths in Pennsylvania. He also shuttered schools for an additional two weeks, noting Philadelphia already has an order for residents to stand down. Governor Wolf issued a stay-at-home order for Allegheny and Monroe County. Other than that, the only reason you should go out is to save a life. The governor did not elaborate on precisely what the stay-at-home order entails because you are still permitted to go to pharmacies and necessary places and your work if you work at a necessary place. Federal inmates are being exposed to COVID-19, then being transferred here to the local federal prisons. U.S. Congressman Fred Keller says that's shameful. 
Keller says the Bureau of Prisons has not been forthcoming as to how many inmates are being transferred into our area, the Federal Bureau of Prisons not commenting. All schools across Pennsylvania and the Valley will remain closed through at least the beginning of April as the result of the COVID-19. Secretary of Education Pedro Rivera said in Harrisburg yesterday the closure order could be extended beyond that date, and he says it is quite possible that will happen. Pennsylvania Supreme Court dismissed a lawsuit filed by a gun shop that challenged Governor Tom Wolf's authority to shutter businesses determined to be non-life-sustaining. The high court late Sunday denied a petition by a gun shop owner and a gun purchaser, but the court did warn that barring individuals from being able to buy guns at all whatsoever would most likely violate the Second Amendment, and the governor and the state was on shaky ground. A Bucknell University student who had to be tested for COVID-19 has tested negative. Gasoline prices are down about 15 cents a gallon. And finally, in national news, the head of New York State Correctional Officers Union says Harvey Weinstein has coronavirus. Well, karma. (laughs) And one of our emailers, just very quickly, agrees with me. He says, closing the gyms is ridiculous. One can do a workout and maintain the recommended distance from others. This closing is an overreaction to the crisis. I, for one, feel that my gym routine helps me maintain a healthy immune system, which is crucial to warding off this virus. Open the gyms and fitness centers. I agree. Well, yeah, you would agree because you're only concerned with yourself. But if you want to flatten the curve, (laughs) if you want more people to survive in our hospitals not to be overwhelmed. What if I don't survive because my immune system is compromised because I can't get to the gym? What about me? You can't You can't exercise at home? Not with the way I do at the gym. That's I the see. whole point of a gym. Uh-huh. Well, Joe, you know, it's called uh, helping out the nation. Service people do it. Our country did it in World War but II, but you're saying, no, it's all about me. The I can't people help. Who are, the people who are there are willing to accept that risk. I see. Okay. Well, you're going to spread it to other people. so they well, don't, You're they, assuming that somebody there has it. And if you get it, you're a goner. You know Most that. Most people so. with common sense wouldn't go if they were sick. Well, you clearly I don't are go. lacking <laughs> in that uh, valued area. All right, let's get to the phone calls. All right, everybody gets a couple minutes. Dale, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I just want to spring off what that lady was talking about. I agree with her. Uh, there's two different sets of laws in this country, and there's two different sets of economies. So the people who are enjoying a du jour government, their economy is not going to be affected. The people who are living in a de facto government, their economies are going to be a life of cheese, just to, you know... A life of cheese? What is a life of cheese, if I may ask? Well, I just want to ask you, Joe, do you think right now, you know we're going to go into a hard recession? you think it's fair for the state and local governments to at least cut their work at force and a half, just, just, to, just to give the blue collar and the private sector a little bit of help? You think that 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 is well? That isn't the question. I ask you what a life of cheese was. I'm not familiar with that expression. Well, ask the people in Breton. Breton, they do it. I'm just asking you, Joe. You know who's going to feel the pain here? It's the private sector. People who live in a de facto set of laws are the ones going to feel it. People who live in a de jure government who stole all the money out of stock market and sold their stocks and stole everybody's retirement and getting away with it because Trump's in office. I'm just asking you, is it fair that the state and local government should cut their workforce in half just to give us a little reprieve? 
Excellent question. We do not know. We've heard that question a lot today. All right. Thank you so much, Dale. Appreciate the call. Thanks. Know. Thanks for checking in. Still not certain what a life of cheese is, but <laughs> we'll ask the people in Breton. They know. Okay. Uh, Bill, you're on the mark. Thanks for checking in. Morning. How are you guys doing? Hanging in there. How about you, Bill? We're doing fabulous. Good. I just have a couple comments. Uh, this past week, my wife had a, an operation, and we were at a local hospital. And when I went in, they, they asked some questions. Uh, the one question they keep asking every time I'm in the hospital, have you been out of the country in the last two weeks? Well, no. But I think the more potent question now would be, have you been to the New York area where the epicenter is in the United States? We have more appropriate questions. Yeah. Would be. It might. You know, if you look at the state of Pennsylvania, where the uh, cases are, they're mostly on the eastern side of the state. I'm not saying there's not out west, but the eastern side is certainly filling up quicker than the western side. And up in the Poconos, where a lot of the people commute to New York every day. Yes, I, I think that would be a more important question. Uh, when I went into the hospital and we went to where my wife had her procedures, they asked if I was tested for uh, fever, which I was not. They were totally surprised, and I was there two days, and they, neither day I was tested. And then as far as the stimulus package that government's trying to pass, uh, I don't understand this at all. I've never seen, and of course now you don't follow politics as much as you do today, but I've never heard once where they ever voted down a bill to give other countries aid or anything else, and yet they're denying their own people. That is totally wrong, and they should put a freeze right now for at least the rest of this year. No foreign help to any countries that need it. They never help us. It's time to take care of your own and not anybody else. That's just my opinion. Okay. Well, I think you'd find a lot of agreement on that. Thank you so much, Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate your Thank, call. Yep. Thanks for the call. Dick, you're next up from Milton, PA. Thank you so much for checking in this morning. Well, several things. I'll give an amen to Bill on that last, but uh, to Joe, but the couple in Arizona, only the man died, not the woman. They they mixed the uh, they mixed the fish food with some drink for liquid or water or whatever, drank it. He died. She's. I, I, I heard her interviewed on television last night. I, I, from her hospital bed, so she's fine. Okay, this uh, morning they said on, I th- I'm pretty sure I heard them say that both of them had died, so sorry well, about I, that. She, then she, she gave a deathbed interview because I heard her interview. I got a lot of good at that. Oh, now, the other thing is, is you're familiar with the Texas Lieutenant Governor, Dan Patrick, who wants to basically throw old people under the bus for their grandkids? He, he, he said that to get the economy going, they, that most, most grandparents will sacrifice for their grandkids. They can survive on their own. That's his comments. I'm paraphrasing. He, he did his, said this on Tucker Carlson. And I thought back to all those grandkids that were, that were romping around partying on the beach while their grandparents were trying to survive and go, 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 go to grocery stores with lack of product. And I saw photos of that, and I saw the grandkids, and I don't think they cared too much about their, grandkids, their grandparents at that time. And now I love my grandkids. I love my grand. I, but I just I'm not sure that two weeks into this sacrificing for two weeks, I'd give it a few more uh, weeks or maybe a couple months before we uh, start throwing people under the bus just to save uh, save our grandkids. Yeah, let's and, hope it doesn't come to that. 
Well, that's, that's, his, that's the guy. That's what he said. And the other thing, Joe, for somebody that works around a fitness center, and I do, I see a lot of people not clean the equipment after they work out. And that's one of the worst things you could do is with this something like this. They, they, get, they sweat. They, they get their hands all over the, the bars and all that equipment. They don't clean them off. The next guy does. He gets in there, and pretty soon you have a, you know, you're spreading something that you shouldn't be even doing that's that's one reason they closed the gyms down well i i agree not, that i agree with you make you unhealthy no i agree with you on that but i th- what i said is they should be open with restrictions like for example <laughs> separating the equipment and making sure that people actually clean it before they're done and, well i understand what you're saying and, and there's signs up all over to clean equipment but i'm just telling you that i work around the gym six seven hours a day three days a week and and i'm just telling you that people do not clean equipment they just don't even think about it. They get up, they walk away, they sweat, they just walk away, and that's the way the machine will let the next person, if they don't clean it, they get down that machine. And, and speaking of gyms, Rand Paul didn't mind going to a gym, and it was probably the only gym open in Washington, D.C., the Senate gym. Everybody <laughs> well, else had to shut down, but their gym was open. Yeah, he well, should for, be censured for that. For what it's worth, Dick, I do clean the equipment after I'm, I've used it. I clean it before <laughs> you know, I get I on. A lot of people <laughs> clean, clean equipment, but not everybody does. And you're never going to get 100% compliance with cleaning equipment. And I'm just telling yeah. you. You're probably so they right. only have to have a couple people that are infected in any gym that spread that thing, and then they don't clean it because they only think of themselves. I'm not saying that you don't clean it. I just have a lot of people clean equipment. I'm just telling you, for somebody that sits there and watches people, I'm just telling you that people don't clean equipment like they should. All right, we got you. Thank you. Believe that or not. Oh, I do believe it. I've seen. We believe it. Actually, somebody actually sits and watches the gym. I I do believe it. I've seen people walk away from equipment. Thank you so much. I've seen a lot of people walk away from it. Lots of people. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate the call. Still think there's got to be a way to do it. Upper right corner, please. All right. All I can say is, wow, throwing money at the Kennedy Center. She said, I don't care. Makes me think she isn't reasonable. The corporate America employs a lot of people. They say the same old rhetoric won't follow her. Eric, you're on the mark. Thanks for checking in. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, it sounds pretty much like we're going to have a deal in the Senate today. So the Valley, the checks are on the way. Now, when they arrive, it's up to each of us to decide how we're going to spend that stimulus money. What we need to be doing is supporting our local businesses, supporting our, our businesses which are owned here in Pennsylvania, supporting our neighbors. So when that check arrives and you have the opportunity to go out and spend, let's think about where we spend it. Okay, we're going to spend it at Walmart and send all that money to the big, the big boys down in Arkansas and those, or we're going to spend it at Wise Markets, uh, a local company which has, over the many, many years, invested locally in uh, our local institutions, especially Susquehanna and Bucknell. Just look at some of the names on the buildings there. That's from the Wise family. But that's true. Or we can invest it in our small shops, in our small uh, own, own here, like Hilshire's here in Port Traverton, or some of the other smaller, smaller uh, locally owned grocery shops. But that's I mean, true too. That, but they, this, that, that's also package. Eric, that's, that's also stimulate our, ourselves locally here. Eric, that's also true of the businesses. I mean, they let's take for example our industry, advertising. Uh, the local newspaper and the radio station depend on local businesses advertising. But many of them pump the money into Facebook and places like that. You know, it's a two-way street. If we're if we're going to pump money into them, they should be pumping money back into the economy here too. Well, I I, I don't know that. Uh well, the local businesses I'm talking about do advertise. I see that. Uh, I guess well, no, I'm not talking all of them, but I'm just saying they some of them do. The daily item. Yeah, some of them do every week. Some do, some don't. Okay, I'm just saying I'm that saying, we we need to support each other. I, I'm amplifying what you're saying. I agree with you, okay. and I think it it should go even further. 
And for those of us who have resources, and God bless that some of us have resources, do some things which you can interject in the local <clears throat> economy, like like uh, like do use some takeout at some of the local restaurants. Perhaps you don't do that real often, but in, inject inject that that money back locally. Support our local folks. All right, well, sound, excellent point. Sound advice. Yep. Yep. Take, we agree with you, buddy. Do some takeout. Thank you so Call much. Again. Appreciate that. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Or our lines they're filling up left and right. So uh, our goal this week is to make sure that we have an interview set up with some good, learned, expert type individual during the eight thirty hour, and then open phones during the nine a.m. hour. So that's how we've been doing things. Jill Schlesinger said she had a limited availability this week, so uh, fortunately we got to talk to her during the 9 a.m. hour, but most of our guests have been uh, during the 8.30 a.m. hour. I would like to tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. If your vehicle's busted, they are open to fix it. It's called the Quick Claim, plus they got a great big body shop down there that can get your car back on the road if you've wrecked it. Uh, if your car is pulling to the left or the right or you want to be pumped up with nitrogen or you need a vehicle that uh, has to have an oil change or service or just won't start, uh, the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury is open. They specialize in all types of service on any type of vehicle. They'll do state inspections, uh, even though you are going to get a little bit of a reprieve on them. You don't have to get them done right away. Uh, but they are willing, ready, willing, and able to operate on any vehicle there at the Sunbury Motor Company. Uh, they have opportunities for you to visit the Quick Lane uh, Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday, 6.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. So please, uh, even though it might be a little bit harder to find a new car, these days, the Sunbury Motor Company is there uh, with their quick lane, and they would just love to super serve you. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, we're lined up with uh, calls, so I'm not going to give the phone number, but uh, Joe, upper right-hand corner. All right, one of our listeners who agrees with me about the gym says that's why you clean the machines down when you get on, and you clean the machine down when you get off. It's common sense. All right, sound and advice. That's true enough. Uh, Bobby's next. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Yes, uh, uh, good morning, everyone. Yes, I agree with Joe. Uh, the, I'm going to say exercise places and, and, and parks and thing, things like that should be open with restrictions because we can't stop living. We still have to exercise and we still have to eat and drink and keep our bodies going. And of course, when you work around the food industry, whether you're in a restaurant or like behind the thing, you're constantly cleaning up all the time. Right. And that. So certain jobs, of course, you do that. And of course, when I work at the Knobles, you know, around the pool, I mean, that's, that's my number one thing to clean up. I mean, we gotta, you know, we gotta make sure everything's clean before the pool opens, 
And then afterwards, uh, we got to clean up in that. And during the processes of all, all the restrooms and everything else, so in that type of environment where people are, you know, coming all the time, uh, uh, certain people, uh, you know, that, I'm, what, what I'm trying to say is, as uh, things are automatically cleaned up. All right. Well thank said. Thank you so much. Appreciate right. the call. Thank you. thank you. Stan, you're on the mark. Thanks for waiting. Go right ahead. Good morning. Uh, two things, but the first thing, uh, I know people are railing against Walmart and all that, and they want people to support local business, which is great. I agree with that. But my question is, don't local people work in these Walmarts? They need to have employment, too. I mean, if Walmart should go under business, which I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon because of the nature of their business, but local people get paid by a big corporation. Big corporations employ a lot of people. So, I mean, some of these corporations, right now I'm, I'm laid off. My corporation that I work for closed its doors last Thursday because the governor said we had to. The auto manufacturers are closing their doors in the assembly plant, so we can't ship parts. You know, that's the way it is. So sign up for unemployment. But the other thing is, over the weekend, the Democrats and Republicans supposedly negotiated a, a stimulus bill, right? Isn't that what we were told? That's what we were told. Okay. So then they get their, you know, they get their chance to their cloture rule. You know, they got to get 60 votes to blah, blah, to get it, you know, to go out on the floor for the final vote. So what happens? The Democrats voted 100% against it, including our fine Robert Casey. So what, did, what were they negotiating? Were they negotiating lying to the Republicans, negotiating bad faith? Did Schumer go talk to his buddy Pelosi to find out what, oh, my, what she needed to have in the bill to make it worthwhile? You know, quite frankly, you know, emissions, emissions uh, controls on uh, airplanes, mm, that's not had, doesn't have anything to do with the virus. And besides, when was the last time that you seen a solar-powered plane loaded with a uh, you know two hundred people get off the ground? That would be never. So how are they going to lower emissions on that? The other thing was collective bargaining for federal employees. First of all, federal employees probably shouldn't be unionized, but considering they are, it is what it is. But you know, to change that, that what's that have to do with coronavirus? And election law, what's that have to do with the coronavirus? And a few other things that they had in there. What's all that have to do with solving the problem of coronavirus, with helping the people that need it, keeping businesses afloat so that when this is all over, people actually have a job to still go back to? Well, I think they saw what an opportunity. The yeah, they saw an opportunity there. You know, they could probably stick in a lot oh. of this stuff. And you get people oh. like Jill Schlesinger says, oh, pass it, pass it, no matter what. Don't worry about that. Well, guess guess what? <laughs> the Republicans aren't going to allow it. So uh, they're yeah, going to have to. Never, never let a good crisis go to waste. The motto of the Democrats. Well, Stan, I agree with you that the local people do work at the Walmarts, the Kmarts, and, well, we don't have that anymore, but the Targets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yes, uh, it's important to keep those companies afloat. But I don't think we need to hand out any stimulus money to Walmarts, the Walmarts of the world. Well, probably not. I, I don't know their bottom line. I don't know. You know, they, they ain't, they're they not getting hit. Their shelves are bare because people are going in there and raiding the shelves. Right. I mean, right. Not, not all the shelves. Let's find a roll of toilet paper somewhere in the Susquehanna Valley. But anyways, uh, yeah, they, they probably don't. The airline industries, it needs to come with caveats of how they work their business. Because, you know, they've been charging what I, I haven't flown in years. I'll, I'll admit it. 
So I don't know what they charge, but my understanding is <laughs> it's they not pretty a heavy on the buggy, luggage and all that. If you go overweight, have too many pieces and, and whatever. It's not a confessible crime. It's okay, <laughs> Stan. <laughs> but we, ab- we absolve you nevertheless. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stan. Thanks so much for calling in. I really Thanks do lot, appreciate man. your viewpoints. Uh, Joe, upper right-hand corner. Okay, good morning. If and when I get a check from the government, I'm paying my property taxes. This is socialism at work. Go, Democrats. I love Nancy Pelosi. Signed, Bob. No, actually, what we should be thinking of, we're a commonwealth. As a nation, we should be a commonwealth, not a socialist society. In other words, we do things to benefit each other, but we also make sure that we have a standard economy. Wait, wait. We should do things to benefit each other? As a commonwealth. Even if it means going to the gym and spreading coronavirus around. Well, that's okay. Then I think about myself. But the rest of the time, we're a commonwealth. What about benefiting me when I can't get to the gym? Nice try, Joe. (laughs) All right. One of our, uh, or actually, uh, Matt Catrillo's in the newsroom saying the Tokyo Olympics have been officially postponed until 2021. The International Olympic Committee, along with the Japanese Prime Minister and local organizers, have decided that the Tokyo Games cannot go ahead as scheduled this year because of the coronavirus outbreak. The IOC says the Games will be held no later than 2021, and they will still be called the 2020 Tokyo Olympics because they already bought a thousand signs that say 2020 on them. Uh, Let's see. That takes us to Harry, who's standing by. Harry, are you working? No, we've been off since last Tuesday. Oh, brother. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, it's, hey, it's all right for me. I'm sure you got a honeydew <laughs> list a mile long. Uh, I, I, yeah, uh, Stan had touched just a little bit on what I was thinking about, and, and Stan showed some common sense, too, which, unfortunately, with the, the elected officials down in Washington is not a, uh, a common thing. I like to think that I'm, I, I know that I'm no economist, but, but I also am proud of the fact I am much smarter than a politician, although being smarter than a rock probably <laughs> doesn't enter into that too much. But the simple fact of the matter with the stimulus packages is it really comes down to, to me, it comes down to the fact that we need the businesses going because they are the ones who have the jobs and uh, pay money out to the workers. But the people need money, too, to be able to get live some semblance of life. So whatever they decide as far as with these stimulus packages, they, they need to make sure that people are getting their money. And I have no real problem with corporations getting money, too. But I think there has to be some, some guidelines to that. For example, and, and this would be somewhat cumbersome because you'd have to go through monitoring um, a lot of paperwork probably i guess i don't know how you would do it but monitoring how much they you know they're uh, hiring and firing the people and I, I would put a caveat on that they could not fire anybody until everything was up and running uh, getting everything back to normal and i would also say that anybody like disney cruise lines and princess cruise lines who who uh, sail under the flag of another country to uh to alleviate taxes for them, they don't get anything because let them go to the country they're flying the flag under to get something from them. But at that point, you could create a stability in the in the market of, or the job market where people aren't losing their job through no fault of their own, and holding the businesses responsible that they keep keep the same amount of people working and giving them good opportunities to work, and then hopefully getting getting everything up and running again 
just by making every holding everybody's feet to the fire. To me, that doesn't seem that complicated. I'm not sure what happens when they get in the air of D.C., but it seems to go right out the window, <laughs> common sense. Well, the vortex sucks the brains out. That's what happens. And what yeah. you're talking about would make perfect sense. It, it is all based on need, whether it's going to a business or a corporate entity or whether it's going to an individual. And that would take years for them to agree to. You know, initially they went in there and said, okay, well, let's just give blanket checks to everybody. It's going to cost almost a trillion dollars. But then the Republicans went in and said, oh, wait a minute. What about this industry and that industry and the rail industry and the uh, medium-sized hospitals? Oh, you know, all of which are well-meaning intentions. And the Democrats, oh, yeah, well, what about arts and education and uh, non-fossil fuel? All of this is going to help us pull out of the recession uh, faster. So now we're up to $2 trillion, and they haven't even started negotiating again today yet. So we're going to be – there's going to be a $3 trillion bill till this is done. Well, Thank somebody you, needs well, to explain to me how 30 – isn't it going to be as much of a bill if we don't get anything done or more? That's my question. Not certain I understand that question. What do you mean? No. Isn't it going to cost us more if we don't do something? I mean, Potentially. everybody's going to be. You yeah. know, I well, mean, everybody's going to well, A lot of people are going to suffer. Work, but I mean, everything will be shuttered. Right. Right. And no, I, we've I mean, got to do something. But I don't think $35 million for the Kennedy Center is necessary at this oh, point. I, I, but see, to me, that's not an industry. All right, we got you. Thank you so that's much. We appreciate the call, Harry. Thank you. Thank you for checking in. Glad to hear from you. I'm glad you're listening. Quickie break. Callers and emails and text waiting. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. Uh, on the mark, Rob Center could not be fabulouser. We appreciate his help and hard work. Upper right-hand corner, Joe. Says, last caller, the Democrats voted against a bill that benefits billions of dollars for corporations with no oversight. This happened before with a bailout package when the corporations took the monies and reinvested in stocks to benefit themselves and not their workers. This is what the Democrats are trying to prevent. In other words, they're looking out for the average Joe and not the profitable corporations. Get a brain already. Ooh, thank you for that. I appreciate that. You uh, do? I don't think Stan will appreciate it. It was directed at him. Cindy, you're on the mark. I mean, I appreciate morning, somebody gentlemen. taking the time I to write. Well and staying well, and as are all the listeners. We're so Listen, far I apart, I can hardly see Mark. Praise Governor Wolf. Oh yeah. He put in a stay-at-home order, but he nuanced it. Right? He directed it just at six counties, and I think that this nuanced approach to the issue is really what we need instead Cindy. of a shotgun everybody. Stays locked down Cindy, kind of approach. Yes. What's the difference between stay at home and what we're doing now? Stay at home. You're. They. Uh, I understand they can take legal action against you if they catch you out of your house. 
without being on the way to the grocery store, back on the way to the doctor, back, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you could still get takeout restaurant? I think so, yeah. You can get food. Okay, but, but no recreational trips, no gyms. No gyms. Sorry, Joe. And, you know, I, don't, I, I, I want to enter into that part of the conversation only to say this. My daughter regularly exercises by using resources that are online on YouTube. You can go in there, and there are people with all kinds of exercise uh, directions, and do it with them. They, they, you know, they're doing it, and you're doing it kind of a thing. And for, if your issue is weights, I remember once on uh, <clears throat> the Oprah show, the person was showing you how to exercise at home without all this costly equipment. And so they got the bottles of laundry soap, which are about a pound a piece, I think, and then they use them for weights. So you have the resources in your house, and Joe, you can pursue that, or you can just walk. Well, Joe thinks I've been walking, but that's not as good as riding the exercise bike or the recumbent or the elliptical. Joe's motto is to think small. Joe's made me feel guilty because I thought about this. Well, I don't use exercise equipment in a public place. I do go to the grocery store and other stores that provide a shopping cart. And one of my bones of contention is, are those stores actually cleaning these grocery carts or other kinds of carts? I've, always, I've often wondered this, but I do always wash the handle off when I take the cart, right? But I put it in the corral out in the parking lot, so I don't after wash it. So I might have to think about how I could manage to do that. All Last right. week, I took a small microfiber cloth, sprayed it with a little Clorox beach, bleach, and then used it to open doorknobs in, uh, or handles in stores. So kind of giving it my own little cleaning job. Plus, I never touched those things, so the, that piece of cloth. All right. got to take another call. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thank sounded okay, sounded. Yeah, we're a little busy here today. Uh, Mike, you're going to be the last caller of a very busy day. Go right ahead. Yeah. I want to devolve into my alter ego here. And uh, with any crisis, we have winners and losers. And with this uh, COVID-19, it's no different. In this virus crisis, we're uh, appearing to have businesses like pot stores, adult toy stores, and gun shops that are booming. But to me, the top prize goes for the ingenuity of the adult entertainment venues in New York City who now offer home food delivery service provided by their professional dancers. And I'm wondering if their ads say, uh, comes with a portable pole for an additional fee. <laughs> I saw that story this morning that a group of uh, striptease dancers were uh, actually into the home de- food delivery business now because the restaurant or the bar they work for sold food. And I think they called it Boobs to Go. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm, I'm not working right now, and I'm going to ask my wife if I can have permission. I, there's a lot of neighborly women in my neighborhood that don't have husbands anymore, and maybe I could be, uh, what do they call it, meals on wheels, so to speak. Well, what food are you going to sell? I mean, you have to be licensed to sell something that people need, but that's an interesting oh. idea. I love a good Joe, entrepreneur. You my dream. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Dream. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> Don't let the facts get in the way of a good dream. Come on, Joe. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. Perfect way to end You're a great welcome. day. Thank you, everybody, for uh, listening and uh, for joining us. Uh, We'll have some more guests uh, tomorrow on uh, WKOK. Billy Allred going to call in tomorrow talking about the governor's order, so we'll get more information out about that. That This is WKOK Sunbury.